I work here at church two days a week and Mitch is my boss, so um, I can confirm he's a very good boss and uh, thank you for the intro as well. <laughs> um, well, as Mitch just mentioned, for those of you who don't know, um, my name is Callum Minnie, Um and it is my absolute privilege um, to be able to share the word with you um, tonight. Our theme for this year is fearless and you can take a seat if you'd like as well. Apologies, I'm not a veteran. And thank you so much, Matt. <laughs> Thanks so much. Excellent. All righty. Our theme for this year is fearless, creating a courage culture. What a timely theme and thing for us to be focusing on. We live in a world where we are pulled in every direction to be fearful, to stand down at risk of what it might think or say. But our God calls us to be fearless, to stand confidently in his name and to continue to bring his love and his grace and his truth into the world. Tonight, I want to focus on courage, specifically the source of our courage. What is the source of your courage, church? Or maybe a better question is, who is the source of your courage? Where our courage comes from makes or breaks if we are living like Jesus. We've heard in previous weeks that Fear is a stimulus, a catalyst. It is something that we feel, not something that we do. And courage is a response, a posture we can choose to take up in the face of fear. I believe that the Bible shows us what that, what that response should be and what form that courage should take. And I believe that it shows us that that all rests on whether we source our courage from within ourselves or whether we source it from our God. So let me just pray before we get into it. Heavenly Father, we love you, Jesus. What a privilege it is to be standing in your presence tonight. Lord, I pray, as Andrew just showed us the, the amazing work that you did for us, Jesus, I pray that we remain open and sensitive to the work that you're still doing here. Heavenly Father, I just pray that as we come around the word tonight, as we look into the words that you have said, Jesus, that each and every one of us will take something away, that you will be working in us through what you have to say tonight, Jesus. In your name, amen. You know, when I was young, or younger than I'm currently, I'm pretty young. <laughs> I can't get away with that too much. Reading adventure books was one of my favorite things to do. My mum and I used to read them before bed, and I couldn't get enough of stories of people accidentally finding their ways onto deserted islands or exploring ancient ruins, only to get wrapped up in some form of mystery or dramatic adventure. And the titles of these books would be big and bold, and they would often be followed by a subheading sounding something like Tales of Courage. I think if I was to suggest an edit for the Bible, it would be to slap that subheading on. The Holy Bible, Tales of Courage. You've got to admit, it's got a ring to it. Now, of course, I'm joking. I would suggest exactly zero edits to the Bible. But the Bible truly is a book full of stories of courageous people. And I'd love to take a look at some of those stories tonight. More specifically, the courage within those stories and where that courage comes from. And Andrew, I'm glad, where are you? Andrew, I'm glad you love John, because we're jumping straight into John. 
We're going to jump into John 18, verses 1 through 12. And this is the story of Jesus being arrested in front of all of his disciples before he's crucified. And it says, After saying these things, Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley with his disciples and entered a grove of olive trees. Judas, the betrayer, knew this place because Jesus had often gone there with his disciples. The leading priests and Pharisees had given Judas a contingent of Roman soldiers and temple guards to accompany him. Now, with blazing torches, lanterns and weapons, they arrived at the olive grove. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him, so he stepped forward to meet them. Who are you looking for, he asked. Jesus the Nazarene, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. And as Jesus said, I am he, they all drew back and fell to the ground. Once more he asked them, who are you looking for? And again they replied, Jesus the Nazarene. Wow. So this group of soldiers has just come into the olive grove seeking to arrest Jesus for blasphemy, essentially because he claimed to be the son of God. And this was inexcusable to the high priests. And as Jesus states who he is, as we just read, the soldiers fell to the ground. Now if I was one of those soldiers... I think I'll be turning to my soldier buddy next to me saying, hey, look, man, I don't want to be that guy who turns his back on the mission at the slightest sign of godly power. But he just said he was Jesus and we are on the ground. I could be wrong, but I think he might be telling the truth. But anyway, that is not the general consensus and they decide to go ahead with arresting Jesus. Jesus asked them to let his disciples go, and we'll jump back in at verse 10 where things heat up a bit. Then Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's slave. But Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back into its sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the Father has given me? So the soldiers, their commanding officer, and the temple guards arrested Jesus and tied him up. Now, I'm not sure about you, but if I was standing in that olive grove behind a tree or something like that, witnessing that interaction take place, I could easily imagine my first thought being an admiration of Peter's courage. Here was a man who drew his sword against, as the Bible says, a contingent of Roman soldiers. One guy against a group of different armed forces. That's what a contingent means to single-handedly protect his Messiah. By all human standards, this is courage on full display. This is a type of action that earns people medals. Slap on the subheading, Tales of Courage, and send it to the publisher. This is a David and Goliath story. Is it not? But it wasn't. Because in verse 11, Jesus says, Put your sword back into its sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the Father has given me? Jesus basically reprimands Peter, asking him to stop defending him in that way. Now we can say with certainty that Jesus knew Peter's heart was to protect him, but nevertheless, Jesus asked him to put his sword away. Why? Because Peter's actions weren't in alignment with God's plan. Peter was acting from his humanly courage, rather than acting in the courage of God. If Peter, a man closer to God than almost any other person in history, can rely on his own courage rather than God's, 
I don't even want to consider the amount of times that I have done this in my own life. Anyone who's ever misjudged a, a, a dive into a wave at a beach will know that water filling what seems to be every cubic millimetre of available space inside your skull <laughs> is not the most pleasant feeling. And that when you go and buy your fish and chips for lunch, you almost think of uh, saying, no, chips, uh, no, no salt for me on my chips, because you've got a year's supply <laughs> lining the roof of your mouth. And on the other end of the spectrum of water intake... I know, it's a, uh, it's a niche spectrum, but bear with me. <laughs> a few years ago, my brother and I took a few days to hike through the Kosciuszko National Park. Our walk was mostly along or around the Snowy River, and that was where we got our water from for, for those few days. I can confirm that that was the most refreshing, perfectly crisp water, and maybe it's because we were walking for so long and we were tired, but that was without a doubt the best water that I've ever had. When it comes to drinking water, the source matters. I'm sure we can agree that whether the water we take in is full of salt or whether it's fresh, it has a pretty significant impact. Not all water is the same. And the same is true of our courage. Not all courage is the same. And the source of our courage matters. Peter's act may be viewed as courageous, But the source of his courage was himself, instead of God. His motivation for his actions was not God's will. He was imposing his own will. And so it wasn't the courage God wanted him to display. Our own courage will fail us. But it may not always look how it did in this story. You see, there's a flip side to this coin. Acting in his own courage caused Peter to act, only in a misguided way. But it's just as common that acting in our own courage causes us not to act. And this is just as big of a problem. And there are so many near misses in the Bible of humanly courage creeping in, trying to stop people from acting. Moses was so reluctant to be used by God because of the fear that he wouldn't be able to communicate. Elijah, a prophet who struggled deeply with depression. Timothy, described as fearful and shy and timid. Now, I know I set those statements up to be a flip side of Peter's experience. Too much courage in Peter's case and not enough courage in all of the others. But in fact, they are all actually exactly the same issue. Too much of our own courage and not enough of God's. There is only one cure to this problem. And it's a complete reliance on the courage that is given to us by God and a rejection of what the world would call courage. Because as with all human things, all worldly things, humanly courage is beyond inconsistent. It ebbs and flows, wavers and stumbles, misfires, and can lead us to act against the will of God, even if unintentionally. But there is a courage like a plumb line, perfectly aligned, never faltering, always acting in alignment with God's plan, and that is Christ-like courage. You know, when we experience fear, biology tells us that we have one of two immediate reactions, fight or flight. We first saw the reaction that Peter had, fight, and then we heard times when many other people in the Bible 
had the immediate reaction of flight. And science tells us that we will always have a fight or flight response, and that's okay. We don't seem to have a choice in our immediate reaction to fear, but we do have a choice in one thing, and that is our next action. And the Bible clearly calls for that action to be reliance, a reliance on the Christ-like courage that God has given us and is calling us to act in. Our humanly courage will have no problem telling us what it would like us to do next. It will say things like, oh, this is the time to fight. This is the time to run away and flee. Flee right now or fight right now. But don't let your humanly courage decide what your next move is. Let God do that. It's the only way we become vessels for His will to be done in our earth. Our own courage will lead us wrongly, but His never will. I could easily title this message, Get Out of the Way. We need to allow God to move in our world through us, not act as gods in our world. Have you ever seen a tiny dog trying to get into a door that is closed? It's hilarious. I once saw this tiny chihuahua trying to get into a house, a front door that was locked. He was going, oh, I don't know if it's he, the dog was going absolutely mental, darting from side to side. Is there a way to get in here? What if that, what if, what if I can get through here? It was barking or yapping, very annoyingly, at the top of its lungs. But if it just spun around, it would see that its owner was there, trying to move around this dog that was running around, trying to open the door with a key. How often do we find ourselves doing that, thinking, I'm pretty courageous. How am I going to break this door down? The most courageous thing that we can do is become a vessel for what God is doing, submitting to God's word and acting in Christ-like courage, letting him open the doors in our world, our families, our friendships, rather than thinking about what we in our power can bark to get the door to open. It will not work. Now, as you might know, Peter went on to deny being one of Jesus' disciples shortly after. And unfortunately, his own courage was not sufficient enough for him to stand with Jesus. His humanly courage was ready to fight a contingent of Roman soldiers. And yet it was not prepared to just affiliate with Jesus. Our courage is so often misguided, performative, and misplaced. But what Peter did do is obey Jesus when asked to put away his sword. He may not have been able to act in the correct courage himself, but what he did do is trust Jesus enough to step aside, submit, and let Jesus act in that courage instead of him. And the other people we've spoken about tonight took it one step further. They went the whole way. They chose to lay down their own courage and trust and rely in the courage of God, acting in Christ-like courage themselves. And so what was the result of that? Well, the Bible tells us that Moses, our reluctant prophet, led the Israelites to freedom after being enslaved in Egypt for 430 years. Elijah, a prophet who struggled deeply with depression, was used to do phenomenal things for God when he stopped relying on his own courage and began to rely on God's. Fearful, timid, 
and shy Timothy went on to lead a large, influential church at Ephesus. And by shutting down Peter's humanly courage and stepping in, acting in godly courage, Jesus surrendered himself for arrest. And in the days that followed, displayed the most profound act of courage that has ever or will ever be done. Jesus sacrificed himself, as we heard about tonight, taking on the sins of the world so that we could even have the choice of being in relationship with God. All of these things happened because humanly courage was thrown out the window and Christ-like courage took its place. Peter would later act in godly courage, eventually dying, professing the name of Jesus. But we have the choice to act in godly courage right now. And we have the book to show us that it's always the right path. And godly courage is, is something that Jesus had to choose to act in as well. Let's not forget that. Earlier in the garden, before this interaction with the Roman soldiers, Jesus was praying to his Father. And in Matthew 26, verses 39, he says, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus felt fear as well. But he chose to rely on his own courage rather than fighting, rather than fleeing. And look what happened as a result. Let's jump back into the scripture we've been looking at tonight where Jesus asked the Roman soldiers who they are looking for. Verse 9 says, Jesus the Nazarene, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. And as Jesus said, I am he, they all drew back and fell to the ground. Once more he asked them, Who are you looking for? And again they replied, Jesus the Nazarene. Now I know I joked about it earlier, but that is the power that we have when we choose to operate in the courage of God. God prepares our path. Yes, obstacles still pop up. Roman soldiers still pop up. People will still try to stand against us in this world. And the world will still throw its fear in our face. But all of that becomes weak in the knees in the true presence of God. Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. And let me tell you, it was not the man in him. It was not the flesh and bones that he was born into that was able to do that. It was the God in him. And that is the same God that lives in us. Where human courage jumps in, Peter's courage, where human courage jumps in with all its might, all of its power, its biggest swing, what's that able to do? Merely cut off the ear of a slave. Nothing. I mean, that would have hurt, but not even a dent. But even a whisper of the courage of God sends armies to the ground. How easy is it for us as people to decide what kind of courage is right? We have a special knack for thinking that we know everything. And it often leads us to misinterpret the kind of courage that God wants from us. We need to lay what we thought was courage at his feet and let him show us again what it really means to be courageous. And that doesn't always mean getting arrested. 
Jesus doesn't always call us to present ourselves to be arrested, but he does always call us to lean on him and allow his strength and his courage to work rather than ours. Because our strength and our courage, it pales in comparison to the strength and courage of our God. But how do we rely on God's courage? It can be easier said than done. And band, if you'd like to pop up. Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6. It's a pretty well-known verse. And it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him, and He will make your paths straight. We must allow God fully into our lives. Not just to be our Savior, but to be our Lord as well. Not just for the, what seems in our human perspective, the good stuff, the easy stuff, but for the hard stuff as well. We cannot praise God for being the source of our lives without also allowing Him to be the source of everything within it. And that includes our courage. As modern Christians, we are extremely blessed to have the Word of God available to us at all times. To have countless examples in the Bible itself that God is working in every situation. And these stories, they're not just recounts of things that God has done. They are testimonies of the things that He is still doing and will continue, continue to do until His work is done. Time and time again, we are shown proof that if we step out of our own fear, out of our own humanly courage, and into the courage that is given to us by God, that He will use us to fulfill His will. When we become aware, and it's easy to become aware, we can just look at what He's done already. When we become aware that God is working in every situation, it becomes easy to trust Him, to default to a response to fear that is Christ-like, rather than a default of our own flawed judgment. The Bible clearly shows us how to position ourselves in the face of fear. It says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. If we are saved, that salvation is our defense. Nothing can touch us because of that. And our only offense is His Word and His Spirit. And that doesn't mean to, to beat someone with the Bible, speak on, speaking down on them only, uh, with only knowledge, if they are still becoming aware of what it means to live like Jesus. Which one of us isn't still becoming aware of what it means to live like Jesus? It means to walk into every circumstance with Jesus in front of us as our sword, not us in front of Him, to let His truth and His grace to work in every situation rather than walking through life in our own power with Jesus in our back pocket if we need Him, if it's handy and if it's convenient and if it aligns with what we already wanted to do. Unfortunately, in the olive grove, Peter picked up the wrong sword. 
He picked up the sword of humanly courage. God is calling us to pick up a different sword, church. The sword of the Spirit. His Word that we can stand courageously behind because of the trust that we have in it. What sword are we picking up? Because it's so easy to pick up the sword of human courage, the sword of our motivation, and the sword of our knowledge, of our opinion, and the sword that imposes our will. But God calls us to pick up the sword of His Spirit, the Word of God, the the sword by which His truth and His grace is delivered as He intended it to be. His word is our offense, not our own. If you've ever heard the saying, you can't see the forest for the trees, that is exactly what our situation is. God knows his plan. He can see the forest. And we just can't know that full plan. And we have to be okay with that. We are stuck in the trees, and we always will be. But we can trust him. Let the one who can see the forest guide you. What good is it for us to hold the map of our own lives when the only information we have is where we are? True courage is born in the reverence of God and the submission to His will. And we can only have courage when we fully lay down our life to God. The reverence of God allows us to trust Him, to believe in Him, And to stand with full courage in this world. Without the reverence of God, we are standing in our own courage. But when we submit our lives under God, we stand under His power and under His courage that can only be given by Him. So that not just our life is for God, but our actions within it glorify Him as well. Who are you allowing to be the source of your courage? Who are you allowing to be the source of your truth? Is it you or is it God and His Word? What about your grace? Who are you allowing to be the source of your grace? Because I don't have enough and He has it all. And church, who are you allowing to be the source of your life? Because everything that I've just listed, God has it all in abundance. And he wants us to be courageous and to receive that from him. So let me just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for the courage that you displayed first, Jesus. And Lord, I, I am sorry, Jesus, for all the times when I have rejected your courage because I thought that my human courage was better, Lord. Help us, Jesus, to rely on you, to lay down our lives, Heavenly Father. We have nothing to offer if it's not through you. Help us to lay down our life, Jesus, and learn again what courage is. Heavenly Father, help us to pick up the correct sword, Lord. Teach us every day if we are picking up the wrong one. In our interactions, Jesus, Help us to spread your courage, your love, your truth, and your grace, Jesus, because it's so much better than ours. We love you, Heavenly Father.